we have been, as, as um, Jill pointed out, we've been in this series of conversations about David for the last several weeks. We're kind of on the, the downhill slope, and um, uh, we'll be wrapping it up in another couple of weeks. And uh, we're going to be looking at David because David is an interesting person. He's, he's, even if he was boring, we should probably look at him because there's more stories about David than there are about anybody in the Bible except Jesus. And um, he fills most of two and a half books plus uh, a big chunk of First Chronicles, which is kind of a repeat and a retelling of First uh, and Second Samuel. So, so um, David is all over the Bible, with the exception of Jesus. There's nobody else who can touch him for the amount of stories about him. And on top of that, he's not boring. He's he's a very big and and um, a lively character. He's bigger than life. He's uh, when he's good, he's better than anybody you know. And when he's bad, he's the worst person you can imagine. David is is uh, all over the place. David is good and bad. He's very humid. Human. David is very much like us, but just more so. So I've been calling the series Summer Blockbusters because that's what it reminds me of. Big movies, the big big budget blockbusters in the movie theater in the summer. And I said David David has, has a kind of a mixed character. When he's good, he's good. And when he's bad, he's bad. He's been bad for a while. If you've been here the last couple of weeks, you see David has not really been... Uh, the David we read about in Sunday school, right? We, we don't tell the little kids about the things we've been reading about David the last couple of weeks. David has not been um, an exemplary person we could all point to. David has, has had a tough road. When we first came in contact with David, when we first started hearing the stories about David, we saw that David was this, this brash young kid. He was, he was maybe 13, 14 years old, and he was a shepherd. And he was already fighting wild animals. He said that when lions or bears would attack the sheep, he would fight them off and kill them. And he used that strength and that bravery to take on the Goliath, the, the giant Goliath. David was kind of at his peak there. He was this hero. And, and he became an a important fighter in the armies of Israel. People sang songs about how he killed more people than the king. He was this great, great heroic person. But it didn't last. About 20 years have gone by now. It's somewhere David's in his uh, maybe early 30s. And he's still not king because the king decided that David was a threat and he decided he was going to get rid of David. So he, he tried to kill David. David escaped. David has been hiding out in the southern part of Judah where he's got friends. Um, his family comes from there and he can, he can hide out there. And the king puts the heat on and so David decides the best thing to do is to slip across the border into the land of the Philistines. So David has kind of gone from hero to fugitive to, to even worse fugitive. He's now, he's now had to hire himself out as a mercenary. He's working for the enemy. He's working for the, the Philistine king, the very people who, who he fought when he fought Goliath. He's now working for them. And it's just been a bad bunch of years. He's, he's really fallen pretty far but as we saw last week, he still got a little bit to go. Last week, he got fired. He wasn't even allowed to be a mercenary with the Philistines. They said, go back to Ziklag. So David can't even get mercenary right. David is on his way back to Ziklag, and when he gets there, he sees the smoke of the buildings, because while he and his men have been away, Ziklag has been attacked. Because probably these Amalekites, they knew that that Israel and the Philistines were going to war, and when the cat's away, the, the mice will play. When, when these armies are, are having their battle, now's a great time for bandits 
to sneak in and rob from all the all the towns along the border. So they do so. They they come in and they steal from all these different towns. They take everything that's not nailed down. When they get to Ziklag, they take every um, uh, child and woman. The men are all off fighting. Um, they take everyone and they take everything and they burn down whatever they can't carry with them. So David gets back there and his his bad day, his bad month, his bad year is as bad as it can possibly be. David is at rock bottom. And David strengthens himself in the Lord, we read. We read that David, his men, his men get bitter. They say, this is all your fault. We have lost everything. We've been following you around because we thought you were going to be king. You're not even a good mercenary. You got fired. And on top of that, now we're living in Ziklag. It's a border town. We should be back home in Israel where all of our friends and family are. They would have watched our back while we were out fighting in the war. They would have watched out for us. But we're fugitives off in some other country. It's all your fault, David. And David strengthens himself in the Lord. David strengthens himself in the Lord. Isn't that an odd thing? I don't know, I don't know what goes through your mind when you talk about strengthening yourself in the Lord. But what goes through my mind is kind of a workout, a gym. And I think to myself, you know, you go to the gym because you want to, you want to get strong. Um, if, if you need the strength, it's too late, right? You have to go to the gym and work up to it. My brother races uh, uh, bikes in his, in his dotage. He has, um, he's taken up bicycle racing and he goes, always going off in these 100 mile races and stuff like that. And he practices his biking and I read about it on Facebook, you know, I did, you know, 28 miles today in six minutes or whatever. He's always telling me about all of his workout, how, how he's working up to the big day. The big day's coming along and he's going to be ready for it because he's done all this practice. And I think, shouldn't, shouldn't strengthening yourself in the Lord be kind of like that, right? You have the good days where God blesses you. God, God somehow takes care of your problems. You know, you get the good parking spot. You know, there's no traffic lights. Everything goes right for you, and you just, oh, God has been so good to me today, just down the line, and you kind of save that up, like, like in the bank, right? And then there's a bad day, and that's when you start making withdrawals, right? You have that strength, you, you've bulked up, and now you're ready to use it, because today's a bad day, and I can use that strength. But that's not what we see in the Scriptures. David strengthens himself in the Lord, not beforehand, but in the moment. When everything is terrible. I'll be honest, my own feeling about strengthening yourself in the Lord is it shouldn't be like getting ready for a bike race. It should be like a cardio workout where if you do it, you don't ever have the big day, right? I don't want to have the 100-mile race like my brother. I want to just never have a heart attack. I don't ever want to have the event where I need the strength of the Lord. I want to avoid it completely. So I want to be strong enough in the Lord that I just avoid whatever the problems are. You know, I... I don't want to have the situation, you know, I don't know how many of these you'll recognize. I was thinking, these are kind of some of the situations where I can say, that would have been a great time to be strong in the Lord, um, and, and avoid it completely. When, when the, when the, the, the credit cards are maxed out, and the car breaks down, and you know, you know you're looking at a couple hundred dollars on top of everything else, what do you do? That would be a great place to be strong in the Lord before the problem occurs, so that you could be ready for it. When, when you've got a, a whole lot to do today at work, there's deadlines, and then the phone rings, it's the school, and they're telling you that, that your kid is sick and you've got to take him home. 
that's when it would be great to have that, that reservoir of strength so you could somehow get through that problem. You know, the, the problems, petty, petty and big, all the problems we face, it would be great to be strong before they occur. You know, when, when our girlfriend breaks up with us, when our husband says he's leaving, when the company says it's downsizing, when you fall off the wagon, when the doctor has bad news, those are the times we want to already be strong in the Lord. But David strengthens himself in the Lord in the middle of the bad news. The worst day he's ever had, David strengthens himself in the Lord. What is that and how can we get it? Because the reality is, if strengthening ourselves in the Lord is like going to the gym, it'll probably be just like going to the gym, which is we buy the membership and then never go, right? (laughs) If it's something we have to save up for, if it's something we've got to work our way up toward, there's a reason my brother does these practices. It's because there's a small, tiny group of people who want to be in that race. Most of us don't ever want to be in the race. Most of us aren't willing to do the work to be ready for it. So if David can somehow strengthen himself in the moment, wouldn't that be great? But that's what we see him doing. David strengthens himself in the Lord. So what does that look like? What it looks like is when there's nothing else to lean on. When you have come to the end of your rope, when you have nothing else that you can lean on, that's when you lean on the Lord. That's what David does. For 20 years, David has been this great figure and he's been doing it all on his own strength. Now, he likes God. He says good things about God. He even mostly obeys God. But he has not leaned on God. The only other time when, God, when, when David is strengthened in the Lord is when he first finds out Saul is trying to kill him. David strengthens himself at his low points. And it is in his low points when he has nothing else that David finds strength in the Lord. So David leans on God. David strengthens himself in the Lord. And look what God does in response. Because David is now strong in the Lord. David has strengthened himself in the Lord. David tells the priest, bring me the ephod. The ephod has a, it's a pocket, it's a garment that the priest would wear. And inside this garment is something called the umen and thumen. And nobody really knows what they are. They're kind of like, kind of like throwing dice or casting lots or something like that. We don't know exactly, but it was some kind of a means for divining what God's will was. But it didn't just answer your questions. It wasn't like the magic eight ball, you know, outlook is clear. Um, it was, it was something that told you answers that you didn't, to, to questions you didn't ask. David says, shall I pursue them? Right? We've been crossing the wilderness. We don't have any supplies. We were planning to get home and there'd be supplies here, but there aren't. The town has been burnt down. What do we do now? Do we try to make it across the wilderness and catch up with these guys or not? It'd be fun, but we may not make it. It's the wilderness. Should we do it? And he gets the answer, yes, pursue, for you will overtake and you will rescue. So David goes after them. Because they are low on supplies, they leave a, a third of their number at this brook, the Wadi Wisor. They stay there with their, with their uh, whatever they... They lighten their load as much as they can. They leave everything they can, including these 200 people to guard it. And 400 press on. They chase after them. And God's hand is at work because they come across this man who will guide them there, this young Egyptian, this slave who has been left for dead. He got sick. His, his master, the Amalekite, 
says, well, too bad, you're not coming with us, and leaves him there. So David says, will you guide us to him? And he says, if you don't hand me back, yeah, you bet. Don't kill me, don't hand me back to him, I'll, I'll take you right into their camp. So David gets there, David finds them, David attacks them. He attacks for a solid day, and we know it's a big number of people because it says nobody survived except 400 people who got away. 400 is the size of their army. So nobody survived except an equal force to your own. So, so whatever it was, it must have been quite, quite a group of people. And David beats them for a course of a day, a full day from twilight until evening, and has this victory over the Amalekites. And he gets back every single thing that was lost. Everything that was lost, David gets back. But beyond that, he gets all the plunder because the Amalekites didn't just come to Ziklag. They had been going on this raid of all these border towns and they had robbed from everybody. They kidnapped all kinds of people. And now David has got those. They can ransom people back and get the money they need or, or, or just take the supplies, whatever it is, and they can rebuild Ziklag. David has won a, not just a military battle. He has not just gotten people back, but he's got this windfall. God has provided him a windfall that he can now ransom back to the other people who were robbed. And then David comes back to the people who were left behind. David comes back to the people left at the, the Wadi Besor and these worthless and corrupt fellows who were among his troops say, uh, they don't get to go with us, they can have their wife and their kids back, but that's it. And David says, no, that's not fair. Everybody should get an equal share of the spoil. That we're not going to just say some, some, some didn't come with us so they don't get any spoil. So David says, everybody gets a share. And then David takes another part, and he gives it to these communities where he and his men used to hang out in Judah. All these communities where David has had a history. He sends it to them as a gift saying, here's a gift to you from the Lord's enemies. David, for the first time, begins to act less about what's important to David and more about What's the right thing to do for the people who are looking to him as a leader? David begins finally, after 20-odd years, David is finally beginning to act like a king. He's worried about rescuing people, not just getting revenge or getting his loot back. He's worried about rescuing people. He's worried about sorting things out in his army so that everybody feels that they've had a fair share. And he's even cementing alliances. David has finally quit acting like a bandit chief and started acting like a king. And that's great news because in chapter 29, we find out Saul went. To, Saul asked whether or not he could win a battle. And God said, no, you're not going to win. Don't do it. And in chapter 31, Saul has the battle anyway and loses. Saul dies and all of the members of his family die with him. So Israel now needs a king. And now David has finally become the kind of person that God wants to be king in Israel. And it happens on the worst day of David's life because David strengthens himself in the Lord. So where do we turn for strength? Where, where do we turn for our strength? I think most of us have our own reserves of strength. You know, when, when those problems come up, when the phone rings and we've got a problem, we deal with it ourselves. I think most of us do not find it easy to lean on God. The, the people who've been involved in 12-step programs talk about how it is only 
when you realize your life is unmanageable that you turn to a higher power. It is very hard for us to lean on God and to stay leaning. Even if you can identify with David, even if you heard this story and say, I remember the day that happened to me. I remember when I came to the end of my rope and I strengthened myself in the Lord because there was no place else I could. It's not easy to stay leaning on God. It's very easy to turn and start leaning on ourselves. But what we see in Scripture, it is when David is having the worst day of his life and he turns to God, that he becomes finally ready to become king of Israel. When we are weak, Scripture tells us, He, God, is strong. And we can lean on Him in our weakness because He can bless us. He can bless us maybe by sorting out a situation we're in like we see with David, but even more so by moving us to become more like the kind of people He wants us to be, to be more like Jesus. That is what we can do. That is what God can do in us when we strengthen ourselves in God. So let me ask you, ask yourself, look at your life and say to yourself, what am I leaning on? In each area, as you sort out the problems this week, as things come up and you you knock them down, say to yourself, how did I do that? How did I sort out that problem? Or why is that problem so terrifying to me? What am I leaning on? And if it's not God, ask yourself, why? What is... What is holding you back? What is, what is keeping you from strengthening yourself in God? Because imagine if all of us could turn our bad days, our little, little, you know, not as big as David's bad day, our little bad days, the kind of great days that David had. That's what God can do in us and through us when we strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Imagine. Imagine what it would be like if we could... Lean on God instead of ourselves. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is so hard for us to turn to you in prayer, and yet where else can we turn? What else can we truly lean on? Is there anything else in our lives that that cannot be burnt up, that cannot be turned to ashes? There is nothing but you, Lord, that we can lean on. And so I pray, I pray for myself that when... I am confronted with problems. I will lean on you. I pray for the people here today that as they face the problems in their lives, that they will lean not on their own strength, but on yours. And I pray, Lord, that you would make us into a community that leans into you and draws strength from you. And that through us, you will bless every situation we're a part of. And I pray all this in Christ our Lord. Amen.